Well, good morning. We're going to be in John chapter 14. I'd encourage you to turn there with me. It's just over in San Juan, and those people are getting ready for us to come over and to join them. They are so kind and so nice over there. And I wanted to tell you, you know, you, you probably saw the, um, or the announcement about the class on uh, Muslims and what Muslims believe and how to, how to share Christ with Muslims. Honestly, I have zero interest in that topic, and it's uh, very important that uh, we know those things, and I'm going to be at the class on Tuesday night just to take the class along with all of you that are there. So I hope that uh, many of you are there to understand and to know about that because it's important for us to to be people who can uh, speak intelligently and compassionately to people we uh, believe need to know the Savior, and um, so... I will be at that class, and we also handed out last week, I don't think it's in this week, but a, a whole Bible reading plan, and I would encourage you to be following the plan. I had somebody come up this morning, and uh, I won't tell you because she, uh, she said, now, I just turned 95, and I don't want you to use my name, but I read the entire Bible through and the book of Psalms an extra time. I said, wow, in 95 years? She said, no, in the last year. It can be done in a year. And I wanted people to know that, that even if you're older, you can still read it all the way through. So Cindy and I have been uh, listening to it. We put it on audio because you can get that. And uh, just listening through it. So we've been going through the adventures and misadventures of King David and uh, getting started on the different readings. Uh, this plan only has, I think, 25 days a month, so you can miss a few and not have to feel guilty, but you can still get through God's Word in a year. Well, we're going to be in John 14, so if you wanted to turn there in advance, we started uh, some of this last week. We're going to be looking at it. This week, I read a story about a parakeet named Chippy. Now, Chippy, this parakeet, never saw the disaster coming. And one day, he's just peacefully perched in his cage, trilling a song, swinging away on the top swing in the cage, and then there was a moment that changed his life forever. I mean, the problem began when Chippy's owner decided that the house needed vacuuming, and she's vacuuming the house, and she gets near his cage. He's up in the top, and she opens the bottom of the cage and takes off the attachment and decides she's going to vacuum in the bottom of his cage. Just then, the phone rang over here. So she reached over and sucked Chippy right into the vacuum. Next thing you know, he goes from singing to total darkness. He's in a bag of dust and dirt and disaster. And the, uh, uh, the uh, bird owner, of course, gasps, put down the phone, turns off the vacuum, opens the bag, cuts it open, and there's Chippy. He's still alive. A little stunned, but he's alive. Well, he's covered with soot and dirt. So she grabs him, races to the bathroom, and turns on the water faucet and holds him under the freezing water to get all of the dirt off of him. And then he's shaking. He's soaked. He's shivering. And so she does what any compassionate bird owner would do. She grabs her hair dryer and she blows him dry. (laughs) Chippy never knew what hit him. She put him back in the cage, set him up on the little shelf, and um, he just sat there. And a reporter from the local newspaper heard about this a couple days later, came by to do a story and to to see how the bird was recovering. Well, the owner said, "Uh, Chippy doesn't sing anymore. He just sits on his perch and he stares. And, uh, you know, it's not hard to see why. I mean, he's been sucked in, washed up, and blown over. I mean, it's enough to steal the song from even the stoutest heart. Now, have you ever felt like Chippy? I mean, did life's tumultuous events steal your song? 
And see, Chippy never saw it coming, but Jesus did. He knew that the week that we're looking at in John 14, that he needed to work to prepare his friends, his followers, for tough days ahead. And he never said, guess what? The toughest days of your life are just ahead. Now, I don't know what it is. They seem to come in bunches, but this last week here, it rained day after day, and four days in a row, I planned somebody's funeral. And uh, so, uh, there's no hurry. See, Kevin is going to be a long time, and so I figured we don't have to be the first ones to the party, and uh, so just hang, hang around here a long time, and let's enjoy everything we can here before we, we go to heaven. But Pat Rawls' service is going to be uh, this week, and so I was meeting with her twin daughters to uh, prepare her service for Wednesday. Well, Jesus knows that his followers need preparation for the days that are coming their way. And they've gathered in the city of Jerusalem. He's got them around the table having dinner. And uh, they're celebrating the Passover feast. And yet his friends are anxious. They know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior. He's declared it to the world earlier in the week. And they all have assumed that once you say, I'm the Messiah, then you would gather an army. You would mount an offensive against the Romans. You'd toss them out of the city of Jerusalem and out of the country and you would uh, gather all the Jewish people together, and you would be their new leader. And yet somehow during that week, Jesus did none of those things, but he did manage to offend the Jewish leadership at the temple. He upset the status quo in the temple, and he left everybody wondering what happened and what's going to happen. And secretly during that week, Judas, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, had quietly brokered a deal to deliver Jesus to the Jewish leaders and have him arrested. And at dinner, Jesus stated that Peter, the number one disciple, was going to deny him before the rooster crowed in the morning. And everybody seems on edge. So Jesus gathers them all around him to give them courage. And we looked at the first half of what he said last week, which started by Jesus saying, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he goes on to say, I'm leaving and you can't come with me but I will go prepare a place and come back. And so questions began to arise. Where are you going? How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he talked about being one with God the Father, which prompted a request, show us the Father. And Jesus replied, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. We are one. And Jesus' claim was that he was God Come in human flesh. He was not just a person born in Bethlehem and uh, lived 2,000 years ago. He was actually God who came into this world in human flesh. And so our takeaways from the first half of Jesus' discourse was celebrate Jesus with your whole heart for who he is, that he's God. That's his claim. Look beyond the current challenges to realize that heaven is secure and it's waiting for us because of Jesus and to listen to God's voice and obey him today. Call on his name in prayer. Ask God to help carry your burdens, whatever they are, and fill your heart with his peace and serve the Lord with joy, just the way he served his father. Jesus was called on to do some things he didn't want to do, and yet he still stayed connected to God and did God's work with joy. So you can face the future with confidence because Jesus is already there in our future preparing good works in advance for us to do. Jesus is God, and he's preparing heaven, and he will return for his followers. And Jesus continued to get his disciples ready to live in the world without his constant bodily presence with them. And so we're going to pick that up in John 14, verse 15. See, part of what Jesus knew, but he didn't say out loud to his followers, was that this was their last gathering together before the greatest events of human history. 
that the perfect God who became a man would voluntarily die in this world in the place of guilty sinners so that all those who receive His gift of love and forgiveness and believe in Him would be forgiven by God and declared righteous in His sight. They would be invited into a relationship with God that begins here and now and will last forever and ever in heaven with God. Jesus died for you. He died for me. He died for every one of us. His actions that night on the cross have a continuing positive impact for us who believe. We're forgiven. We're brought into a friendship with Him. We have been given a purpose to fulfill beyond ourselves, and we have a place waiting for us in heaven. Jesus knows He's going to suffer and die for the sin of the world. But he also knows that the grave will not hold him forever and that he will return to life and see his friends again before he departs for heaven. He knows that they, as soon as he's arrested and gone, will be filled with fear and they will be scattered and they will be tempted to forget all that he's taught them and just to think only for themselves and to forsake their faith in him. And he wants them to do better than that. Jesus wants their faith to sustain them in tough times by changing their focus and how they think about their problems. So here's what he said to them, verse 15, John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. How is it that we will know him and the world does not? Because God's spirit comes to live in us, in our heart and speak to us. When I was meeting with the Rawls twins, they talked about how they started coming here back in 1969 when Pastor Chuck Waters was here as the pastor. And uh, he was here for 10 years, dearly loved. And he, when I got to meet him in his retirement, I asked him about being here and about his wife. And we were having a fun conversation till then, and it choked him up. And he started to, to cry. And he said, well, Donna and I were married for 58 years. And then she died. And he said, I, I asked God in prayer that night. He says, why did you have to take her? He said, you have all these people in the world you could pick. And I love her, and uh, we're together. And he said, so I said to God, I know this is kind of unusual, but would you just speak out loud and explain why you had to take her from me? He said, so I waited, and nothing happened. He said, so I said, well, God, would you just give me a sign? Please give me some sign to know of assurance. He said, so I waited, and nothing happened. He said, so I went to bed that night, but when I woke up in the morning, God's Spirit spoke right into my heart and said, Chuck, I am not going to use any of your physical senses to communicate with you. Just trust me. God's Spirit was speaking directly to his heart because God's Spirit lived in his heart. 
And that's what Jesus said to Judas, the one, uh, the Judas who's not Judas Iscariot, when he asked his question. He said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things have I spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So he ends exactly where he started. I mean, these are Jesus' parting words. Before he's separated from those he loves, he wants them to be sure to know these things. This was important for him to impart. Number one, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's verse 15. But he says the same thing in verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. He says the same thing in verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Verse 24. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. If you're a teacher, you say the important things over and over and over so that people get it. If you're a student and you hear the teacher saying the same thing over and over, you know that'll be on the big test at the end. Our obedience to God, even when things aren't going our way, is going to be on God's big test. Jesus said it four times in this passage. When your heart is troubled, obey God. Now, that's easier to say than to do because when my heart's troubled, that's the least thing I want to do is to obey God. I mean, we don't ever really get excited about obedience and just doing something somebody else's way when they call on us to do that. And probably we need something more like, for humans, like to have dog obedience school for dogs, you know, to, to, to learn obedience. I mean, my dog graduated in the bottom half of her class, and I really thought she had a hearing problem because she seemed to think obedience is optional. And... Um, you know, sometimes she does what she's asked, and other times she looks around to say, but there's so many more things to smell and to see and to do and to chase, and I've got my own plan, and, and, uh, and I'm calling, and she knows, and there's a conflict, and she'll look at you and go, nope, and head her own direction. And um, you and I have done that sometimes with the Lord, haven't we? And Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. Do what I'm telling you to do because he has a plan for your life and a plan for my life and for us together as a church. And he's saying the proof of your love is in your obedience. Why sing his praises on Sunday and then ignore him on Monday? I mean, God wants us to enjoy him on Sunday. And we, we gather together in his beautiful place to sing and to praise. And it's, everybody's looking nice and the choir is outstanding. And we praise his name and, and uh, we draw close to God. And then we get out there on Monday. And he wants us not only to enjoy him on Sunday, but to employ his word in the world all the rest of the week. Putting our thoughts and our conversations and our problems and our decision-making, our everything, through a filter of what did Jesus say about this? That's why we need to be in his word and know it. What would Jesus do if he were faced with this conflict in his life? How, what do I do to please the Lord? In other words, otherwise, without that, our worship is hollow. It's phony. It's meaningless. I mean, one time when Jesus was preaching, he turned to those around and probably a little bit frustrated, and he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, which means boss, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? And he went on to compare obedience to his commands to a man who builds his house on a rock, and the storms of life come and shake it, but they can't tear it down. 
Now, this week we had lots of storms, as you know, and so we, we you know, have a, a drainage pond that our neighbors have given us lots of comments about, lots of uh, verbal input. And, and so we have cleaned it out, and before last week, we cleaned it out and gotten it ready and put extra sandbags around it and got everything ready. And then at the height of the storms, we're checking on it. And it was right up to the top, but it held. It did its job. And that's what Jesus is saying is if we call him Lord, Lord, and then we obey him, it's like grounding our lives in his word. And when the storms of life come and beat against us, and it's not if they're coming, it's just when. They're coming. If we've obeyed him, it will hold. Because everything beautiful that you see in your life has been done in obedience to God. And this is a huge point to Jesus. He says, just follow in obedience. I will direct your heart. I will direct your life if you're listening to my voice and obey what I tell you. And sometimes we hear the input and we think, but there's so many other things to do and to see. And it's not what I want. And Jesus... Uh, will and thoughts are going to be found in his word and it will be in the guidance of his holy spirit so be in the word be listening for god's voice and jesus said the greatest commandment is you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength and when god is first in your heart and first in your soul and first in your mind and first in your strength you're worshiping him and on sunday you're serving him the rest of the week in ways that are consistent and bring you joy and nothing bring more joy to the heart of god than our obedience, than us following his plan joyfully and willingly. And Jesus went on to point out that when we're not doing that, you know, that we can't do that alone. We can't do it in our own strength. That's, uh, that's just not our natural way of doing things. Look at six, verse 16. I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. He says, I will send you the Holy Spirit. When your heart is troubled, cry to God for help. His Spirit is there. And the word that's translated here for Holy Spirit, it's not easily translated in English. It's the parakletos, it's, it's somebody who's called on in time to help in times of desperate need. So if, if your house is being flooded, the desperate need you have is for a plumber, right? If, if you're being called into court, you desperately need a lawyer. It's a helper, an intercessor, an advocate, a strengthener. Maybe it's a personal trainer, uh, a lawyer, or maybe it's your mom. You know, when we need encouragement, this Paracletus, this Holy Spirit comes alongside of us, and we're going to be talking about him when we get to John chapter 16. So you can read ahead. But Jesus also promised, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He says, I'm not going to leave you alone. When your heart's troubled, remember, you're not alone. Prayed with a lady this morning here in the first service, and she said, I've been to the doctor and found out that half of my heart is, is, uh, is sick. It's, it's not functioning properly, which is why I'm short of breath, and I don't know how long I'm going to live. And we prayed together for her heart, and we, she was able to affirm, I know that he's with me all the time. I'm not alone. Well, many of us have been blessed with a parent or an adult in our life when we were little that we could trust and turn to and rely on somebody to give us help when we needed it. It's kind of like the kid who bragged, my dad could beat up your dad, to which the kid replied, well, big deal, so can my mom. <laughs> but seriously, there, there are a lot of kids in this world that are abandoned and are abused and are orphaned and have no one to provide protection and care. In fact, we support multiple 
uh, orphanages and people working with them to bring the love of Christ along with safety and food and a, a, a secure place to grow up and to learn about the Lord. And you might feel like you've been abandoned or orphaned. And Jesus is saying, I am here for you. Even if you can't tell, I am with you when you call on me. And he promised his life has a continuing positive effect on all believers, even though he's no longer bodily present in this world. It says, verse 19, yet a little while in the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. He says, you will live. When your heart's troubled, remember you're alive. We live in a world that's dark and spiritually dead. And Jesus said, when I'm with you, you are alive. I am the resurrection life. And verse 20, in that day, you'll know that I am in the Father and you are in me and I in you. You will be one with God. He prays about this in John 17. So you can see, you can read ahead if you want in John, because we're going to be going from here through the end of the book, chapter 21, over the next few weeks. But when your heart's troubled, remember your true identity, who you really are. If you're in Christ then your identity is no longer your job. It's not your hobbies. It's not your sport. It's not even your family who gave you your name. It's in Christ. You're a Christian, and he calls you his own. He says, verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And that's when Judas asked his question, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us? and not to the world? And the answer is, through the Holy Spirit living in your heart. He says, I will love you. When your heart is troubled, there's not one moment that I'm not with you. You are loved by the most important person in your life. He says, you will, we will make you our dwelling place. Now, I know in the Kingeth Jameth Version, it says at the beginning of this chapter, in my Father's house are many mansions, Many mansions, and of course we live in a place where people either live in mansions or think about buying mansions or have mansions with views or, uh, you know, and uh, they've even written songs about, you know, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe we get carried away with the wrong thing because believe it or not, the most important thing really is not the view, not the view, even though we, we have a good one. And I've explained to people, even if the preaching's boring, people come to church to be inspired. And at our church, you can do that. You just come to church and look out the windows, and you can be inspired by what God has done. But it's not about the view. And sorry, realtors, it's not about location, location, location. That's not the most important thing either. It's about relationship. It's who you know. Do you know God? Are you right with God today? Are you ready to see him face to face? Be sure you're right with God. You don't don't know how long you have. And the point is God is making space for us to live with him in heaven, but he's also preparing us to be a place for him to live. He says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If you open the door, I will come in. I will live inside of you. And it's, it's like a house. He will come in not just as a guest to sit in the front room or just as family to sit around the table. He's going to come in like the cleaning woman and begin to work in every closet, every corner, every drawer, and clean your heart and mind to be places for God to live. So while he's preparing a place for us in heaven, the Lord is preparing us for that place. He's transforming our character and he's getting us ready for heaven. He's preparing it and he's preparing us because he wants to live in our hearts. Now, how can all this happen in your daily life? Maybe it's while you're vacuuming or being vacuumed. I mean, let's make it simple. Verse 23, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he keeps my word. 
And my Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. And Jesus is saying, make a full commitment to love me with all your heart. When your heart is troubled, love Jesus Christ. He won't let you down. Fill your heart with his word and let him guide your life. It says in verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will remind you of what I've said. That's why as we read God's word, suddenly you might be thinking about something. All of a sudden, something just pops in your head. You go, where did that come from? And God's Spirit has brought a little piece of His Word or uh, something of encouragement. Somehow He's brought it so that it's, it's, it's brought into your heart. And then Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He says, I give you peace. It's different from the world. It's not expecting something in return. The world's peace is escapism or an absence of noise. And Jesus says, my peace is that I have a presence in your life and you are filled with a purpose that I have given you that you never dreamed up yourself. I gave it to you. So Jesus concludes where he starts. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Stop being troubled. Focus your heart on Jesus and on what he's got for you in this world and in this life. And he gives gifts to those of his own. He gives forgiveness and peace, his presence, his purpose, his spirit, and a home in heaven. Those are all reserved, reserved for people who love Jesus. He's not, he doesn't give those just to everybody in the world. People who are just in the world and have not said, Jesus, you are the Lord and you are my Savior. Please come and live in my heart. They don't receive his peace. They don't receive his forgiveness. They don't receive a place in heaven. They aren't filled with his purpose. He saves those for people who call him their own. So let's take seriously what Jesus was telling his first followers. He's the Lord. Follow him in obedience. You're not alone. He gives the Holy Spirit. You're going to live. And he would tell us, I love you. I am living in you. I'm getting heaven ready for you. Be filled with my peace. Now, South Shores, this, we need to take this to heart, first as individuals, and then as a whole church, so that we just keep inching forward, following what we believe God's will to be for us at this time and place, enjoying God every day, doing His work with hearts of gratitude, confident that we will see Jesus someday face to face. You know, in that moment, I want to hear Him say, well done. He says in His Word in Ephesians 2.10, that God prepared good works in advance for us to do. It's like a jigsaw puzzle that somebody's taken the picture, they've gotten the cardboard, they've put it together, they've pasted it on there, they've cut it, they've figured out all the shapes, they put it in a box, they sold it to you, you get it and you put it all together and then you say, look what I made. You didn't make anything, you just, you just put the pieces together. God's saying, I've given you all the pieces. Now put them together in a way that the glory of God might be revealed through your life and through your church and into the world. And someday I want to see him face to face and hear him say, well done. And at that moment, I want to do better than Chippy. Don't you? I, I want to get to heaven with a little bit of enthusiasm left and to be filled with the joy of the Lord, not just kind of in shock of, oh my goodness, what just happened? I want to be able to celebrate Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to see you there. Shall we pray? Dear God, thank you for Jesus. 
Thank you that he was God come in human flesh into this world. Thank you that we can celebrate you. But I pray we would do more than that just to celebrate you on Sunday. I pray that we would make you the Lord of our hearts and lives and to enjoy you on Sunday, but to employ your word in our lives every day of the week. So we're listening to your voice. We're following your spirit. We're being guided by your word. We're living lives of purpose and peace and joy despite what's coming our way. You said this to your followers on what could have been the toughest night of your life. It's not just for easy times. It's for people of courage who are having tough times. So I pray that you will see us through that whole process in our lives and that we will follow you and we will hear you say, well done, and we will know the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.